The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. We're looking at week five of the NFL season today. Katie Mox and Will Brinson here, joined by Sportsline's finest, RJ White and Alex Selznick, a.k.a. Prop Stars. If you like winning picks, make sure you sign up at Sportsline.com and use the code PICK to get your first month for $1. And RJ, something special is going on on the site. Yeah, we just released this. Um, you can now view money percentages on money splits on, on bets on each side of the spread total and money line. Um, for all the big six sports, when you go there, um, any user can go and see the ticket percentage on, under public, you know, and see how many tickets are on each side. But now subscribers are going to be able to compare that to the money percentage to kind of see where their sharps are leaning, where the disconnect happens and make them better informed before they go and make their bets. I love that. I always love to see the splits and where the money is and what the sharps are doing. Last episode in the feed had Brinson, Brady and Liget breaking down the tush push and why it seems only the Eagles can get it right. And also discussing the returns of Jonathan Taylor and Cooper Cup. Check it out on our YouTube channel and anywhere that you get your podcasts. Week four was another week hovering around 500 for the crew here. Uh, once again, our records are uh, pretty dead center. I went two and two. Brinson went three and two. RJ two and four. Prop stars two and two. But he was so close to going into his uh, Black Jerry Judy over 52 and a half receiving yards prop going into the black. Sorry. Um, all right. How are we feeling about last week? I mean, I'd just like to point out while yeah. it's still happening that there's only one of us who's above 500. And yes. that person is me. Yes. Yes. And that I will continue to point that out as long as it continues to happen because it is an unusual circumstance. RJ knows it won't last forever. Like there's a decent chance that RJ. And you know, what's weird is like, I keep going like uh, at 500 or below 500 on my coach first Brinson picks on CBS sports network. Yeah. And I keep going like at or below 500 on my, like my, my CBS sports.com expert picks for the full slate. But I mean, I'm like doing, I'm somehow like three games above 500 with my best bets, which is highly unusual. I have like seven of them this week, which means I'm definitely due to, uh, to crash and burn, but I don't care. 
As of right now, you are above 500, 12 and 9. I'm at the, the only first... one who's above 500, Catherine. Okay, fine. Yes, the only one, Brenton. You're the <laughs> only one. It is you alone at the top of the board here at 12 and 9. Uh, 13, I obviously, I don't want to be even. I'd like to be in the green, but 13 is my lucky number. It's my birthday number. It's actually my sibling's birthday number as well. So this 13 and 13, I feel like it's a good omen for me to go over into the green this week. Um, but yeah, to your point, other shows, you know, I'm, I'm getting my butt kicked. So you never know. And obviously, we know that RJ on Sportsline kills it absolutely every day. Are you still leading on Sportsline.com? Yeah. I, got, I got caught by Mike Tierney. He's Ooh. a little bit ahead of me right now um, because I'm put the dumbest pick of my life in um, on Monday <laughs> on Monday afternoon. I said, oh, this line's gotten out of hand. The Giants cover this. If their coaching staff mm -hmm. is good at all. They'll be able to cover this, and it yeah, turns out they are not good at all. It, yeah. was, it was an <laughs> awful, awful game. RJ, I I hadn't done that. you swayed me to the Seahawks all offseason. You beat their drum, and then it's <laughs> a total shock to see you back the Giants uh, was, at MetLife. One Seattle game. They, they, need, they needed it to save their season. It was one game. They had played two really, really strong defenses and played a really beat up yeah. half, you know, half their defense against Seattle with all those injuries. Didn't matter. None, none of that mattered. I want I want the ability to see the full leaderboard. Like I don't like that we can only see five people on that leaderboard. I want to see where I am so I know kind of like I think I'm like plus I mean I'm like plus as you might expect as you can see from my because I put all my best bets in plus three uh, units or whatever it is on the season uh, and I've got six picks up on the board. Oh, for for this week, right, I already well. put them in. RJ, how do you feel about that? You're getting your stuff in you're getting your stuff in early. Look at you, you're 12 and 9 leading this show. I mean, <laughs> it's been years of tu of tutoring you and bringing you up to this point. I'm just a proud father at this point. You were you're thank crushing you, it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, um, I would also like you to coach him on uh rapping because I would like to get Brinson into yeah. this no, uh, rap. rap star situation that's happening on well, I'm not cutting my hair until as uh, Simon Simon asked. I'm not cutting my hair until uh, NC State wins a national championship, so I will probably die with this current, like these current strands of hair in my. You're head. gonna be looking like Encino Man, I yeah, feel like, I in a, a certain <laughs> amount of time. Um, all right, let's uh, let's get into the Week Five schedule. Please note that lines or odds are subject to change all the way up until kickoff. We're hitting these lines about 2 p.m. ET on Thursday. If you're listening to the audio version um, at some point throughout the rest of the weekend, so make sure that you check your book before tailing. Let's first start with the early games. The Jags at the Bills, technically, but it's a, it's a Tottenham, Tottenham, right? It's Tottenham, in. the Tottenham Hotspur. The it's Tottenham Hotspur. If you say the Spurs, you get yelled at by soccer fans. It's the, oh, the Spur, Hotspur. Okay, Hotspur. Oh, a Hotspur. Yeah. That sounds like a medieval torture device. Or like, or like something like you would step on by wall, without wearing flip-flops on your way out to the beach. A Hotspur. Yeah, it's yeah. like, ah! It does. I don't know why that yell was necessary. It probably wasn't. Um, All right. Anywho. Yeah. yeah. Bills laying five and a half. This total 48 and a half. Uh, Bills obviously coming off a huge blowout win against the Miami Dolphins. Uh, sorry to Harry, our producer on that one. I'm sure it still stings a little bit like a hot spur. Um, all right. Uh, RJ, you're taking yeah. the Bills minus the five and a half here. Yeah, Jacksonville coming off a solid win, but it was against a limited offense. Obviously, this is a, this is a lot different uh, you know, game here. Buffalo dominated a team with an elite offense. Um, you know, so, so they've proven themselves right now. Buffalo's defense is struggling against the run. 
but Jacksonville's run offense is not playing well. So it's not a matchup that I think they're going to take advantage of. Buffalo's defense, first in interception rate, first in sack rate. This could be a game that Jacksonville offense could revert to what they did in Kansas City, where they're just struggling to get downfield and score points and they end up throwing up nine points or, or, or something lower than anybody expects in this game. Buffalo, 37-plus points in three straight. I don't think the Jacksonville defense is good enough to slow it down. My power ratings have a difference of seven and a half points between these teams. I think this line on a neutral field should be seven, even if you consider Jacksonville gets a little bit of an edge for being there all week and playing there all the time. Um, I don't see why this line isn't seven. Yeah. Um, I was going to go with the Bills for a best bet, and I agree with you. I think that the five and a half is, is too short. Buffalo, my, the only reason I didn't go with it is that I'm a little concerned about Jacksonville having a major edge in travel here because they didn't have to go over from London. They went from Wembley Stadium and whatever resort they were staying at near Wembley to Tottenham the hot spa and, uh, <laughs> and whatever resort they're staying at there. So like, and, and the bills left, I think today we're recording this on Thursday, flying to London, doing like the red eye thing, land, do a walkthrough on Friday. And so like, that's a little concerning for me, but I also believe that the bills are sort of on a mission that week one game really like really put a, a bigger chip on their shoulder than they already had that loss to the jets. They've dominated the last three weeks and they see the Jaguars as a potential competition for the number one seed, the AFC, like this game is, it's at nine 30. It's a sleepy Sunday game. Um, you know, it's, it's in, it's in London. Like you, you'll, I mean, it's, it's a you know, five and a half spread. Like, but like, I think the bills see, view this game as a massive game in terms of holding down a, a fellow AFC competitor. Um, ultimately, uh, I'm going to take the over 48 and a half as a best bet. Uh, you, we saw, um, last year, in weeks four and five, I think there were games played at Tottenham. They have that like NFL built, like speed turf basically built. And we saw uh, 45 plus points in both of those games over. Uh, the total went over in both of those games. I think Jacksonville's got their offense clicking enough where they'll be able to score against Buffalo or be trailing and be forced to throw. Trevor Lawrence could back to recover it. So that's the only reason I'm taking the over instead of um, the Bills here. Prop, you got anything? Uh, I like the over as well, Brinson. I think these offenses are going to be able to move the football on each other. I think the loss of Tredavious White for Buffalo uh, is significant, will help Jacksonville's offense, especially through the air there. Uh, as far as Buffalo's offense is concerned, just been very impressed with them since that loss, uh, I believe it was out in week one. Uh, but, yeah, just their ability to move the football. They're running the ball very well. They seem to be just uh, really successful, versatile, more versatile than we've seen. Uh, they're actually the slowest paced team in football this year, interestingly enough. I was really surprised to see that statistic. Yeah. Uh, one guy I have my eye on, though, is Gabriel Davis. I've been beating his drum a lot as like a post-hype sleeper. I just love the fact that he has 100% route participation, has the deepest average depth of target of any player on the Bills, and you can usually find his prop around 40 yards. To me, that's too low. Just as a position in a Josh Allen-led offense with his role on the team, he can go over that in one or two receptions. So the Jags are all also susceptible to giving up a lot of big plays down the field. So that's someone I have my eye on for sure. Speaking of London T. Oh, sorry, Katie, you got, you got a best bet on this one. Oh, you do. I'm sorry. I got two, two best bets. Oh, I got two. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm riding with RJ on this one, taking the bills minus the five and a half. And I agree with everything that you said to Brinson. This is a way more important game uh, for the bills than maybe it looks um, with the eye test, but they can, they can hit the over on this one, but I think it's going to be mostly the bills scoring. Cause I'm taking uh, Trevor Lawrence under one and a half touchdown passes through four weeks. He's only had four passing touchdowns total. Uh, he threw for multiple in week one, and that has been it. I'm not sure this is the week that he gets, back 
to throw in a bunch of touchdowns here, uh, considering the Jags O-line has struggled at protection and they're up against a mean, mean, nasty Bills pass rush. Um, additionally, Buffalo is the NFL's fourth ranked pass defense, giving up just 169 and a half passing yards per game this season. Uh, it's just going to be tough on Lawrence um, in this matchup. So uh, I like him under the one and a half passing uh, touchdowns. All right. Speaking of the Jaguars, the team that last played the Jaguars, the Atlanta Falcons, uh, Atlanta, they're headed home, coming off a London game, hosting the Texans, and they are somewhere between one and two point favorites. And the line is actually ticking up, which is pretty insane when you think about like the various stats around this. CJ Stroud, uh, Bijan Robinson, first and second in offensive rookie of the year odds at this point. Stroud has the second most passing yards, 1,212 through four career games in NFL history behind only Cam Newton. He's the first rookie in NFL history with 300 plus passing yards and zero interceptions in any four game span. He's the sixth player in NFL history, any type of player with 300 pass yards and zero interceptions in the first four games of the season. Um, and Houston has won back-to-back games by 20-plus points for the second time in a season in team history. Lasted in 2012, J.J. Watt's rookie year, uh, second year, I guess. Uh, they've gone 59 straight games without a 20-point win prior to their Week 3 win. Uh, Desmond Ritter, 30-0 and, 30 and 0 at home, though. And this is where I think this game is a little interesting, right? Uh, by the way, the Falcons, seven or fewer points for the first time since 2021. Um, I think yes. that... Uh, I think that this is this is sort of like Buffalo and Miami last week, but on like like it's a poor man's version of Buffalo and Miami, where everyone's like the Falcons are favored. The Falcons are like the Texans should be favored. The Falcons are a much worse team. Desmond Ritter stinks. He's terrible. CJ Stroud's like the best rookie quarterback out there, and Houston's got this great defense, and and all those things are probably true. I think the Texans are probably reading their press clippings a little bit. I think they're going to come in here confident, and I think the Falcons. They are a really good team at home. I don't know. I mean, like, you can chalk it up as weird or whatever, but they score, I guess, like 18 more points per game than 14 more, somewhere between 14 and 18 more points per game at home than they do in the road under Desmond Ritter. Uh, I'm going to take the Falcons as a best bet because primarily on the principle, RJ, of everyone thinks the Texans should win this game handily. Yeah, maybe. I mean, when it was plus three, uh, it opened plus three. The market loved Houston and then it crashed down around Pickham. It got back to Atlanta. So I think people, the market at least thinks Atlanta is going to win the game. And if it gets down to Pickham, that's who they want to play. Um, you know, Houston's pass offense dominant. Like you said, despite the offensive line injuries, fifth in yard per pass with no interceptions. Atlanta's defense, though, seventh in yard per pass, but they are 30th in sack rate. So this is an easier matchup for the offensive line than it was last week um, on paper, at least. Atlanta's pass game, you said you quoted the numbers, him at home. I mean, he, the pass game has no juice. And Houston's defense just shut down a similar pass offense with no juice. My power ratings have us at three. I'm not in a rush to play Atlanta at minus one and a half. I think Houston has a large coach advantage and the quarterback edge. And to me, that's just the type of team they can go in and win this game. So I would lean to Houston, but I'm not playing it either way. I'm taking the Texans team total over 20 and a half, kind of going back to what I talked about on Monday, fading defenses coming back uh, from traveling abroad in 2021 post London opponent team totals were four and one to the over. Um, and if you look at last year now I couldn't figure out what the team I got to, I got to get in that slack in that uh, CBS sports research slack. But if I look at last year of the four European international games, there was the Vikings and the saints, 
Um, the Bears were able to put 22 on the Vikings the following week, and this is the Bears, not exactly a great defense there. And the Seahawks were able to put up 32 on the Saints. You look at the Giants and Packers. When they came back, uh, Giants gave up 20 to the Ravens, 27 uh, is what the Packers gave up to the Jets. You can see this here. Of all of the things that came back, every single team was a, a, at least the uh, the teams coming back's opponents were able to put up at least 20 points um, on all of them. And you look at the way that this offense has been clicking all of those stats that you read off at the top here about CJ Stroud, they've scored at least 20 um, in all of their games so far. So give me the Texans over the 20 and a half, just fading the Falcons defense here. Prop anything for you? A little more Bijan love. Uh, more Bijan Love. His yards are actually really high this week. Brinson, 79 and a half. It's mm. as high as he's been all year. I think Desmond Ritter should be thanking his lucky stars that he's playing the Houston Texans defense this week. So I think if this was a tougher defense, this could potentially be the end of the Desmond Ritter era. I think we could see the switch to Taylor Heineke if Ritter struggles again. Obviously, only generating, uh, what, seven points last week uh, against Jacksonville's defense. Unacceptable when we're looking at Kyle Pitts. Drake London, Bijan Robinson. I do think the Falcons are going to be able to run the ball successfully here. I think it's going to be a heavy dose of Bijan, which should keep things okay for Ritter, who should be uh, protected by Bijan. All right. Uh, Panthers at Detroit Lions. First double digit spread we've got to. Lions are laying 10 minus 480 or 490 now um, on the money line. This total 44 and a half. Brinson, you. The beginning of the season, you were all about the Panthers. Um, yes. Have we flipped? We have flipped. Mm. Um, this line, RJ actually got it in uh, on Sportsline at minus eight and a half, which is another good example of why you should use promo code PICK. Go to sportsline.com slash join. Enter promo code PICK. You'll get your first month for a dollar. And you, so you've already like, you've already missed, and RJ's like doing well at Sportsline. He's done as well. Like, but you've already missed any of that cool period RJ had. This is where like, when uh, RJ can steal Pete's line, when the leaves turn brown, I wear the league crown, which is what Pete used to say, which is just a terrible, um, it's just like a, a terrible like comment, but Pete would, Pete would run it back over and over again. The point being is, if you were a sports line member and had alerts turned on for RJ's picks, you would have gotten, unlike me, uh, the Lions at minus eight and a half. I put the Lions in at minus 10. Uh, I don't like losing that point and a half of value, and I, I have a feeling that RJ's not going to take that loss of value, but I don't care. You know why? Bryce Young is starting. He's going into a hostile environment. We talked about home field advantage at length on Monday's show. And while home field advantage might not matter much in the NFL, or might not matter as much in the NFL in 2023, it does matter in a in the in the Superdome or the whatever the Fort the whatever the Fort Fort Field. What was Superdome? What am I talking about? I Fort like, Field. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I'm I, I domes my head to Thursday. Um, Thursday. I just like by the time we get to Thursday, it's like oh, right, 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 exactly. Yeah, I'm yeah. just yelling dome, dome. Yeah. Like those Lions fans, that team is three and one. They're playing great football. They just beat the snot out of the Packers ten days ago, so they got extra rest uh, in in Lambeau Field. The, this Lions team, their fans believe they could make it to the Super Bowl because of how the NFC is constructed. Maybe even win the damn thing, just because like the AFC is kind of a little more wide open than it was. Those fans are going to be loose as a goose when Carolina comes in there. Eight false starts for the Panthers' offensive line in Seattle against the 12th man. They're going to have trouble with pass protection. There's no one to push the ball down the field. And the Lions' two biggest strengths 
their offensive line and their defensive line are perfectly set up to negate one, the Panthers' biggest strength on defense, their defensive line, and two, to exploit the Panthers' biggest weakness, which is their offensive line. And like, I, I think this is a this has major, major bloodbath potential. And the only way that the the Panthers keep it, like, if the Panthers could lose by seven, if there's a like a bull caca uh, last second touchdown to Adam Thielen on a on a fourteen a play. Yeah, a two-two touch. Yeah, right, right. Puka, puka. I think is the yeah, a puka and a two-two. Uh, and if there's a backdoor touchdown from the Panthers and they they cover the ten, so be it. I'll, I'll be pretty annoyed. I think the Lions r- roll in this game. Yeah, but I don't know how they're getting a backdoor touchdown when they can't get any touchdowns with Bryce Young. They've score. got two two touch two offensive touchdowns in three games with him at the quarterback. And that false start fest that you talked about in Seattle that was with Andy Dalton at quarterback, and they were scoring otherwise. You know, they were actually removing the ball well and competed in that game. If not for all those penalties, they probably would have covered that game. <clears throat> but the Bryce Young experience has been a little bit different. The Carolina defense actually played solid versus Minnesota despite the injuries that they were dealing with, just 14 points allowed defensively. Offense was horrible. Supposedly a good matchup against Minnesota. Minnesota didn't bring bring as much aggressive aggressive pressure as usual because they didn't have to and it worked out for them and now Carolina's 31st in yards per pass and 30th in yards per play on offense while Detroit's defense is fourth in yards per play dominant in the last two weeks against against Atlanta and Green Bay similarly you know limited offenses to some extent I know Green Bay started to get people back but their offensive line was a mess in that game and Carolina's defense though fourth in sack rate could create some havoc. We'll have to watch the injury report. See if Taylor Decker's out. I think he was limited to start the week, <laughs> but um, that could be a, a, at least one way they can keep it a, a low-scoring game and and cover here. But their defense, 29th in yards per rush for Carolina. Detroit can win this game with run game and defense. I just don't think Carolina can score very many points in this game based on what we've seen from them. So I'm taking their team total under 16 and a half. Um, I don't see a way that they they break the mold and get two touchdowns plus two plus a field goal in this game. I think this is just a massive mismatch on paper, as Brinson pointed out here. Uh, yeah, I just have a hard time seeing Carolina scoring the ball on Detroit's defense. Detroit's defense has been solid, particularly their front seven. Their run defense has been really good, uh, which should stifle uh, the only strength of Carolina's offense, which has been their running game. Uh, interested to see if Amal Ross St. Brown suits up. He's yet to practice this week. Uh, I think we'll see a very, very heavy concentrated dose of David Montgomery. Uh, just a ton of carries for him coming off that big uh, career performance performance against Green Bay. Jamison Williams likely to make his season debut this week. Interested to see him. He'll add an element of speed to the perimeter of uh, Detroit's offense that I think they've been lacking. Uh, I was hoping to see Amon Ross St. Brown and Williams on the field together to have a little glimpse of what this passing offense could look like, but might have to wait a week for that. So yeah, interested to see how this offense looks without Amon Ross St. Brown though. Yeah, uh, that, that would be, a, I think, a bit of a problem. But like, I mean, remember... What, did they, what was the line that uh, um, Dan Campbell said? Really, we're going to drench Jameson Williams with targets in the preseason, and then like he caught like four of them. So I think this is like a big redemption spot where bad preseason, coming off the ACL, you know, had the gambling suspension. The NFL lightens it up, and it's like I—I I mean, I would have to see what the number is, but if it's—I assume it's plus two fifty for any time touchdown. Um, I'd be curious too. One career catch for Jameson Williams so far. And it was a touchdown. One career catch. Yeah, it wasn't. I think it was a big. It was, touchdown it was like too. a sixty-yard touchdown. Yeah, and like yeah. I mean, like I burned. I burned waiver claims on this guy. Like I think. I think they will try to get him involved, particularly on some deep shots. And you can really, if you can hold up against Carolina's uh, front front four, you can get some deep shots off for sure. The Titans. One quick, yep, one quick question for uh, prop stars, though, and Jameer Gibbs. I feel like he's been very frustrating for fantasy owners. What mm. is your take on props? for Jameer Gibbs because his usage has kind of been all over the place. 
Yeah, uh, inexplicable. I just uh, obviously it's hard to argue with the Giants, or excuse me, with the Lions' results. You know, going three and one, they've been very successful, uh, played good football. But yeah, it's just puzzling to me taking this guy twelfth overall, seemingly building your offense around him in the offseason, or that was you know uh, a lot of what was coming out of Detroit's camp, and then just his utilization, uh, just really not utilizing him. But besides the game. Uh, where Montgomery sat out. He's only had seven rushing attempts per game. I just think he needs to be more involved with the offense. Just going to wait and see until that materializes. So you're just Probably. laying off Jameer Gibbs props. Yeah. Do you, do you think if Imam, Amon Ross St. Brown is ruled out that they go to him more as a runner? Um, and just yeah, control so split him control. out, split him out so in the slot some? Well, yeah, yeah that, throw it to him there some, but I just mean as a runner. like Because if, if Amon Ross St. Brown's out, I think you're going to want to run the ball 35 to 40 times. Yeah, oh, right, right, right. But, sure, but sure. you don't want David Montgomery to run the ball 35 times. So it could be like a 25 to 15 type of split, and Gibbs gets a lot more rushes than we think. Yeah, I also yeah. think it's one where, too, like if you know, it's 10-point spread, you get up by double digits, they are going to pound the ball and basically just tee off on Bryce Young and, and, and melt the clock. And so, like – I could see like I'd be a little I'd be a little wary about taking the over. I think this is a good live under spot if the Lions get a big lead. I think you'll see Dan Campbell feed them. Uh Jameson Williams, two to one. Anytime touchdown scorer. Uh you could look at um Josh Reynolds too. He had a, I think when Amar Ross St. Brown was banged up early in the year, he had a he had a big he had a big game in that spot with two touchdowns as well. Tennessee Titans. I thought Mike Vrabel was gonna be a dog again. What the hell? <laughs> uh Titans minus two and a half on the road. Like, I mean, nobody likes the Titans. Nobody thinks the Titans are interesting. Nobody thinks the Titans are sexy. Nobody wants to watch the Titans. But they're two and two, and they've looked ugly at times. But they've like it's like if Ryan Tannehill plays well, this team can win. This team can win football games. Um, I was going to blindly take the Titans as a dog for like the fifth straight week because at some at some point, you know, the what is that? The clock is. Right, two times, even a broken clock. Is well, right. I mean, like, I think, yeah. I mean, I think Vrabel would be, I think he's three and one as an underdog against the spread so far to start the season. So, like, it's been a good bet. Uh, the one game he didn't cover, they got absolutely blown out of the water. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. And I, I was expecting them, I think this line opened at Indy minus one when we were talking about the early odds. Um, I said I like Tennessee, and I'm going to ride it anyway with Tennessee as a two and a half point favorite on the road. That's it's not as comfortable as I would, as I would like, obviously. Um, but Derrick Henry. Has 1,287 career rushing guards against the Colts. That's third most all time. The Titans have won five straight meetings against the Colts, a plus 9.4 points per game differential during that streak. Henry has averaged 100, no, excuse me, he's averaged 120.2 rush yards per game in that five game streak, along with four rushing touchdowns. Jonathan Taylor may be back, but has not been good against the Titans run. And Titans are a pass funnel. And so like, I think this is one where if you ask, if you force Anthony Richardson to throw a bunch, you, your defense can be opportunistic, can flip the field. Uh, I like Tennessee to win this game and to sort of like, if the Bills win and the uh, Titans win and the, what the Fal the Falcons beat the Texans, We'd be like, holy crap, five weeks in, the, the Titans are in first place in the NFC South or the uh, AFC South, which would be pretty what's, wild. What's the latest on Jonathan Taylor? I think he's supposed he to go. Like yeah, he, say, he says he's healthy and ready to play. Okay. I, don't, I don't, I think he was healthy like most of the, like for most well, of those yeah. four weeks, and they were just sort of like throwing him a, a contractual bone, and now he's just going to play out the season. So if you stash him in fantasy leagues and you're three and one, let's go. Let's, well, let's, oh, that's right. You, you got him on your CMC team, your CMC auction league team with the experts, right? I do, yes. Very nice. RJ, what do you think about this game? 
I think it's great news for me as a fan who has been like relying on Zach Moss so much because of Nick Chubb injuries and other reasons. And now I got to go back to the well and find something else. Um, yeah, this is an interesting line move. You know, you're right. It was Colts favorite. Now Tennessee is wild, you know, two and a half at some spots, which is kind of crazy. Their, their offense has been Jekyll and hiding to like a two and two record. They've been awful or they've been very good, um, but they've been pretty good at home and they've been awful on the road. And this game is on the road. Their offense is 30th in sack rate where Indy's defense a solid 10th and they're ninth in yards per rush on Indy. So they seem to be set up well defensively to handle this game. Uh, Tennessee's offensive line uh, might, might actually get improvement though. We talk about the Jameson Williams injury there or the, the, the issue with the suspension and coming back. There's also a Titans offensive lineman that was in the same boat that, that got, um, you know, his suspension reduced and he's back. Uh, he was supposed to be their starting right tackle, um, but it looks like he probably is just going to provide depth for them because Chris Hubbard's played well. Um, so we'll see how that works out. But Tennessee's offensive line is definitely one that need, has needed depth. You know, they've been struggling and um, and it'd be great if, if they get Skaronsky back too. So let's watch the injury report and see if he's clear to return here. Um, you talk about the Tennessee's defense being elite versus the run. Anthony Richardson brings such a different element to the run yes. game. It's not a traditional run, you know, attack that just running up the middle into this really strong front. And if he is widening the field there, I think it opens up some rush lanes for Taylor and, and for himself, you know, and get, it makes him a little bit tougher to defend. So I think that that plays into it here. Um, I like Indy. Um, if they're getting points, I'm actually teasing it up to eight and a half here with another team we'll get into later. My only concern with them, my biggest concern about them is they played back-to-back overtime games and their defense has faced 150 plays in these back-to-back games. And they've mm-hmm. got to be tired at this point. I know you get a break, you rest up, but we'll see how, how they're playing in the second half of this game because, you know, if they run out of steam, you can you can understand it because of how much they've been on the field. And and if and if they do run out of steam, you know who might pop off for a big run, Prop Stars? I do indeed, Brinson. Yeah, the big man. I'm backing him this week. I like Derek Henry. Uh, same thing. It's been the same story with him every season. Just a notorious slow starter. Looked plenty explosive to me last week on the way to 22 carries, 122 yards on that touchdown run. Looked like vintage explosive. Derek Henry shucked a couple of tacklers at the line of scrimmage, outran the defense on the perimeter. Very impressive performance by Henry, who looks plenty healthy with a ton of juice. Uh, RJ Menson, Pete's Skaronsky potentially being back. He practiced in full. That would be a boost to Tennessee's offensive line, which has really struggled. RJ also mentioned the Colts' defense being exhausted and backed up. Shaq Leonard, uh, Tyquan Lewis, DeForest Buckner, Quiddy Pay have all yet to practice this week. Uh, if any of those guys are out for this game, that's a big boon for Derrick Henry as well. Uh, also, we saw last week this Colts' defense just didn't end up hang uh, hold up well against the run. Ronnie Rivers and Kyron Williams uh, combined for 150 rushing yards against this defense. Brinson, you were mentioning the historical splits against the Colts. Seven of his last eight games against the Colts, he's gone for 100-plus yards. So I love Derrick Henry in this spot. I think he's going to get a big, big workload and would certainly encourage how he looked last week. He looks just as good as ever to me. What's your number, Prop Stars? 75. 75 and a half. Okay. Uh, all right, I'll tell you who I wouldn't want to be this week, and it's the New York Giants mm. going up against uh, the Dolphins, who certainly are prime for a big bounce back here. They are 10.5-point favorites. This total, 47 um, and a half. Actually down. It was 48 and a half earlier, so the total has gone I'm sure it's gone down because nobody expects the Giants to score any points here. Uh, I'll start with you on this one, RJ. You were hoping for better things for the Giants last week. This is one where you're not giving them the points. 
No, they, I don't care who comes back. It was just a, a complete failure across the board. It wasn't one thing where, oh, if they had Saquon Barkley back, it'd be better. Or if they had Andrew Thomas in that game, it'd be better. It was a complete failure up and down from the coaches that were not, were not adjusting for their limitations. And you can blame injuries all you want, but you know what Houston's doing with an absolute skeletal offensive line with all their injuries, um, you know, give them credit and, and, and maybe go hire that their offensive line coach to be a, your head coach um, because of how great a job he's doing, if that's what you need. Um, to do it. So I don't know how you fix this team. Um, the beat up San- Seattle defense, they couldn't do anything against telegraphing his throws, bad pick six. Miami's offense coming off a, a bad game in terms of point score. They're still number one in yards per play, yards per pass, yards per rush by a wide margin. And um, they they ended through the last three drives on Buffalo territory, uh, turnovers on downs. Easily could have been a lot more points in that game. Defense has been inconsistent. They can struggle against good offenses. Luckily for them, they're not playing a good offense this week. Power ratings, I have this line at 12 and a half. And um, with these big numbers, you worry about a backdoor cover. I'm not sure the Giants can pull that off after watching their offense. So if you want to play it at the 10 and a half, I think that's fine. But the time to get it was when it was 10 or, or even a little bit lower before that Monday game. Yeah. And I mean, the thing about the, the Dolphins, too, and, you know, Prop's going to touch on this with a, with a, with a, where Alex is going to touch on this with a prop that I also like. And uh, I had this, I actually, get, I'm, I had emailed a producer earlier in the day before I saw it that I was going to use it for, um, not to spoil it, but you can watch it tonight on CBS Sports HQ. We're doing like a live betting segment during the Thursday night show. Um, this is one that just stood out to me. Like when the Dolphins get a lead and they're going to have a lead because the Giants can't do much. It's also going to be sweltering down there more than likely in South Beach or near in Fort Lauderdale, I guess. Right. It'll be hot, right? It's hot down here. Yeah, yeah. It's, hot, it's hot down there. I mean, like it's like it's like 80s up here right now. I'm going to be back in the 70s this weekend. It's still going to be hot. Um they're going to get a lead and they're going to pound the ball. They're going to run the ball and they're going to pop off big runs. Did you know that all five of the fastest next-gen stat speeds this season in terms of runs, and I guess everybody knows this now, or everybody's nodding, are all Dolphins. This team is full of speed. Just like Scarface, this team is loaded with speed. Um, and they uh, – and they, all right, nobody. Okay. Uh, anyway, they're going to run the ball well in the second half, and it's going to result in what, Alex? Yeah, it's going to result in a big game from Devon Achan. Uh, love this spot for him, Princeton. Over 50 and a half rushing yards. Just from a, an efficiency standpoint, it's been unbelievable to watch this guy. He's averaging over 10 yards per carry uh, over, his, or, or over his career, I guess, right? 33 touches, 353 yards, uh, 11.4 yards per carry as well. This Giants defense is absolutely dismal. Uh, they're one of four defenses that are just equally horrible against the pass as they are against the Rush, Bears, Broncos, uh, and the Raiders, and this Giants defense are just absolutely terrible. Top, bottom five, and basically every single defensive uh, metric there is. And then HN actually out snapped uh, Mostert last yeah. week. Had was in on sixty percent of the snaps. Mostert forty three percent of the snaps. Lost a fumble and was highly inefficient. Uh, seven carries for just nine yards. So I just think this kid is unbelievable. He's going to be on the field a lot. Wouldn't surprise me if he handled 65% of the touches. It's undeniable when you watch his speed, explosiveness, efficiency, just uh, eye test, pass, everything pass. Just this kid's incredible. Yeah, and there's a decent, there's a decent chance he gets there in one, on one, like one rush. <laughs> yep. 
Well, that was the thing coming out too. It's like we knew he had this explosiveness, but he did, didn't seem like pre-profile to be a, a high volume bag. So nope. um, just because he is performing well, I don't think he necessarily means he's going to start getting, you know, lion's share of targets started to be look, looking like, you know, the guy that gets 20 plus touches a game um, because he just wasn't built like that. And there's some questions about how to, I, I hope when he scores touchdowns, he has this new celebration of like, say my name, say my name, because like, <laughs> we're, we're trying, dude, you change it every week. Dude, it's hard. We're dating it before the show. Always like H A Chain, A Chan, to just pull back the curtain, like I almost was gonna go with a different prop for this this hit tonight because I I know that I'm gonna screw up his name. Like I I had no problem. I was like A Chain, like I've got it I'm covered. Yeah. Like I did not even don't even think, don't even blink. And now I'm like I see it and I like freeze and I have no clue what Same. to do. Same. Yeah, so it came, out recently, it came out recently within the last week. It's A-Chan now. Yeah, it's I actually, Brinson, I, I actually think of when you said 4-Chan, 4-Chan. 8-Chan. <laughs> that's so I that's, that's like 4-Chan, my cue. 4-Chan, 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 which is not a great uh, correlation. But <laughs> I digress. We've got a massive AFC North matchup coming up. But first, Sunday, it's an NFL on CBS doubleheader with the early games featuring an AFC North matchup between oh. the Ravens and the Steelers. Later, Mahomes and the Chiefs go on the road versus Justin Jefferson and the Vikings. Get set for kickoff beginning at noon Eastern with the NFL Today. We can't wait for Sunday. The NFL is on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. We'll tell you about that Ravens-Steelers matchup coming up next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Baltimore Ravens headed to Pittsburgh where they will fa- their defense will face off against a very angry offensive coordinator in Matt Canada who is actually blaming and yelling about CBS Sports incorrectly. Erroneously, uh, erroneous, erroneous, suggesting that he so apparently, uh, on the broadcast of the Texans and Steelers game, I I don't think any, you know, I mean, like it's on CBS, great game, everyone's psyched for the game, but at one point, fairly early in the game, we probably all switched to a different game, um, because it was a blowout. Apparently, whoever was on the call said that Matt Canada told them in their production meetings that his offense was not built to come back against teams. Matt Canada today told reporters that he was really mad at CBS because that's not what he meant. He just meant it just wasn't built to come back against the 49ers. It's like, okay, well, okay, Matt, here's an idea. Why don't your offense stop stinking across the board? Because you know what? It wasn't that great when you were here in Raleigh at NC State. There's three former NC State coaching, coaching staff members from the 2013 team. They didn't win a single conference game. 0 and 8 or 0 and 9, whatever it was, on the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive staff. They have gone 39 straight games without getting 
recording over 400 yards. In that time frame, there have been 295 other instances where NFL teams recorded 400 games. It's an outrageous streak. And naturally, I'm going to take the Steelers plus four. Well, actually, four and a half. I think we're getting four and a half here. That was the latest line uh, producer Harry tossed up there. Does it make sense to take the Steelers? Hell no. Should the Ravens blow them out? Probably. But this is the this is a blood battle, a must-win game for the Steelers. It's a road divisional game in the AFC North, and it usually ends up being a field goal. I also think the Steelers' defense is going to be pretty ticked off um, about getting lit up by C.J. Stroud, and I think that they will be able to get after Lamar Jackson to a degree and limit this rushing attack and force the Ravens to try and throw. I will take the Steelers plus four and a half, R.J. Wow. And I'm also on best bet Steelers plus four and a half. What could go wrong here? But Pittsburgh is five and one straight up against Baltimore in the last three years, but they were dogs in four of those games. So it's not like they were expected to go out and win all these games. And they were five and one straight up. And the one loss was by two points. They are competitive against Baltimore for whatever reason. Matt Canada has, has solved the, the Ravens puzzle here. Um, and he has 30 other NFL puzzles to solve um, moving on from this point. <laughs> 31 um, really. But, you count the Steelers. <laughs> yeah. So, so, I mean, it looks like Kenny Pickett might play in this game dealing with a bone bruise. It's, like initially it was going to be a multi-week injury. Now he's acting like he's going to play. I think with the bye next week, they're better just saying, look, sit down. It's a long season. You're not going to lose your job for one game. Don't worry. Um, let's get the healthy Trubisky in there. Because um, Derek Carr showed us, you know, what what happens when you roll a quarterback out there at less than 100% and um, just looked awful in that game. So um, I think they need Trubisky in there. I'd be feel a lot better about this if I knew Trubisky would start. I'm just projecting him to start, which is why I'm taking it. Baltimore's defense, first in yards per play. But who have they played? They played C.J. Stroud, who actually looks really good, but it was his debut on the road in the NFL. Yep. And they played a hurt Joe Burrow. And then they played Gardner Minshew. Then they played Dorian Thompson Robinson, two backup quarterbacks in a row. Um, so maybe they'll get a third one here. So it's not like I'm saying, oh, this Pittsburgh offense is rolling. They can come in and, and beat an, an overhyped defense because this profiles of the team that Baltimore's having success against. But it's not like they're having a ton of success. I mean, that Burrow game was a three-point game. They lost to Minshew. So there are these games here that they're not just blowing out these teams left and right. I think the perception of Baltimore is a little bit higher than their play at this point. So I'm just going to rely on the history and say, even though the matchup says it's going to be a blowout with these Steelers not playing well and the injury, um, they've just played the Ravens too well that I like to back them at plus four and a half. All right, next up, uh, the Saints and the Patriots. This game is virtual pick em. Saints laying one point, total mm-hmm. very low at 40 with that under um, – down to 39 and a half. It actually oh, it, down uh, to 39 and a half. I think it's somebody uh, told me it's at 39 as well in some spots. Yeah. Well now, yeah, that, that's flipped now over um, the over is my, is now juiced to minus minus one twelve. Uh, you talked about taking uh, Derek Carr out there with the injury and, and what the offense has looked like for the saints. Of course, you know, new England just got absolutely stuffed uh, by the Cowboys. Mac Jones couldn't get anything going, but RJ, you like the dogs here. Yeah, this is not much easier of a, a, a matchup on paper for the New England offense because the New Orleans defense is just one spot below Dallas in yards per play in the, in the rankings there. Um, but their sack rate is mediocre, and we know that Dallas knows how to get some pass rush there. So I think not having to worry as much about the pass rush probably helps Mac Jones here. Um, the New Orleans offense predictably struggled playing hurt car. 
Uh, we'll see if he, I'm, I assume he got through that game. Um, he's going to play in this game. He probably is going to be better, but uh, a healthy Derek Carr has not been great this year either. I mean, the New Orleans offense, 29th in yards per play, 32nd in the red zone. They cannot finish drives to save their lives, cannot figure out how to get touchdowns. And um, this New England defense is going to be a lot easier test for them. They've seen some tough tests so far with these San Francisco or um, the Philly games and, and, this, and coming off this Dallas game, Miami. Um, this is not anything like that, you know, so um, biggest worry here is the New England defense injuries to Judon and Christian Gonzalez. They're out long term, maybe both for the year. Um, but New England can figure that out. I mean, they just brought back JC Jackson. We'll see if he, if he immediately flips the switch and has a good game here, I think you fire Brandon Staley on the spot before, before he comes out of the body and just say, look, this was our big money, um, you know, uh, signing. You couldn't get anything working with him. You're supposed to be a defensive guy. That's right. Um, so I think New England wins this game. I'm happy to fade. This was clearly an overreaction to a bad Mac Jones game. I think they'll turn it around here in a little bit easier matchup. Yeah. So like, let's look at who the saints have played. And I mean, I am really down on the saints and have been, uh, since you know the preseason. And I understand that my, uh, disdain for Derek Carr is widely known and that, um, I'm biased against the entire Carr family. Don't care. The saints, <laughs> the saints, have, and they, they look, they, 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 we don't, I don't think about it until I have to talk about it once a week, but like, um, Saints beat the Titans 16 to 15. The Saints beat the Panthers 20 to 17. The Saints lost to the Packers 17 to 18. And the Saints lost to the Buccaneers 9 to 26. Those are four horrendous offensive out, out, outbursts. And they're not against like good defenses or good teams. In fact, like I think you can pretty easily make the case that they're like there's nothing to really like about the Saints. And if you go and really dive into this Buccaneers game, and I know we talked about it a little on Monday, Derek Carr, why he played in this game is a mystery in that game last week is a mystery to me. 23 of 37 for 127 yards. That's like 3.4 yards per attempt. Alvin Kamara had 13 catches. Excuse me. Thir yeah, 13 catches for 33 yards. That is, I, don't, I don't even understand how that's possible. The, the previous record for fewest receiving yards, as Breach pointed out, on 13 or more catches <laughs> was 71. Oh. Like, he like sliced it in half. It's, it's, it's crazy. How do, you, how do you even do that? And I think that it's very likely Derek Carr wants to keep playing because he is extremely um, concerned that he'll end up losing his job to Jameis Winston. I think he doesn't want to step off the field. And this New England offense or defense is probably the best one that they're that they face so far. They just haven't faced like that many good defenses. I also think when you look at the Patriots and you sort of take, you know, I know they're one and three and they haven't looked good on offense, but like they've played the Eagles, they played the Dolphins, they played the Jets, and they played the Cowboys. Those are four good defenses, or at least like four above average defenses, and maybe three like really good defenses. The Patriots, to me, at one and three, are in a much better position moving forward even in a stronger conference than the saints are in a weaker conference. The wrong team is favored here. I'm going to take the under 40. I, I, I want the Patriots too as a best bet. Honestly, is it, but I feel like that's too many best bets for me this week. So prop anything you for don't, you? You don't want to ruin your, uh, your eight getting going eight or 10, nine, eight or nine best bets in week five well, seems you, insane. Well, I mean, you just worried about your record. No, no, I just, I mean, it's just like, no, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll add on the Patriots. I think they're going to, I think they're going to win the game like 17 to six. <laughs> Uh, yeah, nothing for me in this game. I think it's going to be a really low scoring. I like the under look there, uh, Princeton, as well. I prefer to see Jameis Winston at quarterback uh, for this New Orleans Saints team. It's really tough, uh, you know, 
beating the drum for Chris Olave, who I still think is one of the best receivers in the NFL. But Carr's just inability to throw down the field, especially when he's less than 100%, is just glaring, really holding back Olave's uh, upside here. I do think he bounces back in this matchup. But if Carr's not 100%, it should be ugly again. So staying away as of uh, any props are concerned for the moment. The uh, Katie, you got anything on there? No, we spent, we probably spent way too long with that crap game. Yeah, anyway. I, got, uh, I got nothing yeah. on that the, one. I want nothing to do with it. <laughs> so uh, me, me, uh, I, I go head to head with Coach every week on these. We have to. It's all the primetime games. We have to pick one one o'clock game and one four o'clock game. And I just didn't really love the four o'clock window until. And I was a little worried about this. And somehow we're head to head on this. Um, Joe Burrow was asked at media availability on uh, Wednesday. I think he said, "Hey." Joe, uh, do you do you feel like this is a must-win game in the locker? And they couldn't get locker room out. The reporter couldn't before Joe Burrow goes. Yes, absolutely. And when you hear Joe Burrow say, like he he came back afterwards and said that the Rams' Week Three game was a must-win game for the Bengals, and it was. They're zero two. He was hurt. They really needed to win. They're now one and three. He's hurt, and they got these two games against Arizona and Seattle before their bye, and then after the bye, it's San Francisco and Buffalo. Yeah, like you. Win. You cannot go – you really can't go one and three in those games, and you definitely can't go oh and four in those games. Season's over. Shut down Burrow for sure. They need to win these next two games, and it starts with at Arizona. I'm going to lay the three with Cincinnati as a best bet. I don't feel great about it considering how frisky uh, the Cardinals has been, have, have been, but I think this is a game where the Bengals' defense, like they did against, Arizona, against uh, Los Angeles, excuse me, on that Monday night game, can come out and just win the game for this team. Um, Cardinals, of course, have been a great underdog all season long. I think their little, I think their fun little streak. I guess it stopped last week. I think, I think it really stops this week, RJ. Yeah, they need this win, um, which is a formula for success. The Giants needed that win against Seattle, and we saw how that worked out. Um, <laughs> the Bengals so, are a Super Bowl contender. The Giants stink. Yeah, well, see, yeah, Cincinnati is tied for the worst yards per play in the league with the Giants on offense. So they stink. should I get rid of this best bet? No, you, you keep it. I mean, the look ahead was keep Cincinnati it. minus seven. And, and you know, when you see that much of a, a move from that big of a look ahead, you kind of always want to, um, you know, go against it and fade it um, with and consider it being be an overreaction. But this seems fair with their offensive issues. Cannot throw downfield. Arizona's defense, 29th in yards per play. And so you would expect, OK, this is where Burrow can get and get going and can throw downfield and complete some passes. But you would have said that last week about the Tennessee defense, which which allows everybody to pass on them, and he couldn't do anything there. So I don't know why this is going to be any different. Arizona's offense, ninth in yards per play, second in yards per run, despite facing Dallas and San Francisco. Very, very, you know, um, surprising stats for them, considering the state of that offense coming into the season and who they have played since these defense 30th in yards per run. So the formula is there for Arizona's offense to have success. Josh Dobbs is moving around, getting some, picking up some yards with his legs. The run game has been going well for them and it takes some pressure off the pass game. Michael Wilson starting to, to emerge a little bit in the pass game as well. I want to fade this big look head move like you are doing. I just cannot trust Cincinnati right now. Um, yeah. So in, in, in the DraftKings pick them contest, they always give you a half number. They don't want, they don't want any ties and they move this down to two and a half. Mm. So I think a lot of people are going to be on Cincy minus two and a half, and I don't think I want to be one of them because I just don't trust them. Um, all right, moving on. The Eagles are laying four and a half at the Rams. This is probably likely going to, in terms of home field advantage, which, you know, we, Emory has a problem with. It's going to be more Philadelphia Eagles fans there uh, than Rams fans. This total, oh, it went down 49 um, and a half. It was at 50. And I talked about this on Monday and I was standing alone and I am standing alone yet again. I'm taking the points with the Rams here, plus four and a half. Everything that I have seen 
on the internet says to take the Eagles in this spot. Obviously, the defense is legit. The offense has started to heat up. I still haven't been sold on this offense. They don't look as strong as they did um, last season. They've kind of squeaked out some pretty narrow wins. I know everyone thinks I'm a hater against the Eagles, but I'm also a hater on the Rams. So it's there's no hater aid going one way or the other here. 80 mocks in the house. Okay. There has... Uh, the Rams have surprised me, right? They're generating a really good offense. 24 and a half points per game so far this season has been their average. I know that Stafford is banged up. Um, McVay says that he's a go. Cooper Cup has been cleared for the practice squad. I think we're waiting to see if he makes an appearance in this game, which obviously that's going to be helpful, especially when you look at someone like Puka, who's likely going to be double teamed a lot. That's going to open up um, the field a lot for them. I'm hopeful that he plays. Um RJ, I'm curious to see what Sportsline says in terms of the splits, because when I was looking at it this morning, most of the tickets were on the Eagles, but um, majority of the money was actually on the Ram side here. I think this has upset all over it. I'm too uh, chicken to take the Rams money line, but I am going to go ahead and take the points here. I found some absolutely meaningless stats that just make me feel better about myself. There's some coaching stats, so I'll go ahead um, and read those off to you. Um this season, the Eagles are, well, actually, the Eagles are, the Rams are better against the spread than the Eagles are. But the meaningless um, stat that I wanted to say is McVay is 13 and five after having lost two of their three games while coaching in LA. Sirianni, zero and six after scoring 25 points or more in three straight games while coaching Philly. Those probably amount to nothing, but they, you know, further make me feel better about taking the points here. The, the the splits actually the other way. The money's a lot heavier on the Eagles than the, the the splits have been on the ticket. So seems like people are taking even Philly there. I like them at minus four, which was available here. I'm still taking them as a best bet at minus four and a half because I think this line should be the look ahead was six, I believe. Um, and I think it probably should be seven. San Francisco was seven at at the Rams, and they should have covered that game. And Philly is in that same tier with San Francisco, maybe slightly under. If you want to, you know, pinch pennies and say San Francisco's been so good, and, and I'm going to put them. Half point above Philly, fine, but that's still around the same tier. Philly's four and zero feels like they have yet to hit their stride. Um, I think this line moved as a reaction to them struggling to put away the Commanders, but that was really just bad penalties, especially on third down. It seemed like the officials had it out for them in that game, and uh, they they outgained Washington by one point three yards per play, pretty much dominated them in the game, and it was just those penalties kept them in it. Rams defense faced a decimated Indy offensive line last week. This is going to be a much tougher test, one of the best offensive lines in the league. With that look ahead of minus six, it's it's strange to me with the move. Like I said, it's either people worried about Philly now or just all in on this Rams offense, especially if Cooper Cup is able to return and you add him to the mix there. But then Matthew Stafford dealing with a hip injury, even if it's something he can play through. We've seen him play through injuries and it really limits his effectiveness in the last few years. Um, so I'd be worried about that too. So I like Philly minus four and a half. I try to get the four if, if you can. I think that's what we got on Sportsline. Um, but I think the line should be a lot higher. No, yeah, Rams plus four and a half. <laughs> so I, I think this goes, I think it's, this is a really fascinating game just from a, like an X's and O's matchup perspective, because I think one of two things happens. Either the Rams design this offensive approach and attack Cooper cups back. They, they basically run these tiny, short, quick routes across the middle with Puka Nakua, Puka, Tutu and Cooper um, <laughs> and, and get the ball out really, really, really quickly out of Matthew Stafford's hands and dink and dunk their way down the field. I, that's, I don't, Stafford doesn't love doing it. McVay hadn't done a great job about designing um, games like that. Or the 
they don't do that, and the Eagles' defensive line just overwhelms this offensive line. And I'm really worried. I, I was going to go Rams, too, and I'm really worried that it ends up being the Eagles' defensive line doing that. Um, worth noting, just on the penalty stuff, uh, I read about this for CBSSports.com, and you can go um, you can go read about it on, on, on the site. But short version, on the on New Heights, on the, on the, the Kelsey podcast, um, Jason Kelsey said the NFL warned the Eagles ahead of the, the Commanders game about Landon Dickerson lining up in the neutral zone mm. on the tush push, the brotherly shove plays. Uh, and they actually remember on that, there's a fourth and one, they got flagged for offensive offsides, but they were like, uh, the, like I, and this is what I read about. They, they got the wrong guy. It was actually Jason Kelsey's left hand, not uh, Landon Dickerson's right hand. And it looks like when you see it at first, you're like, that's Dickerson's right hand. But Kelsey's like, no, for the tush push, I get in the four point stance. Cause you know, a lot of times you see the guys like, you know, snap the ball with one hand and then you go, three-point stance he's trying to because you want to jump out to block he he does a four-point stance so he can dig down and get low and they and they also Deron Payne his hand was in the neutral zone um underneath the football and and on that same play and the the officials didn't flag it so really just kind of like a Hmm. an interesting note like the league is watching and the refs are watching and teams are complaining about it and it's it's just something that there's going to be an issue going forward I would think yes oh prop stars you got something here I'm sorry I do indeed. Yeah, I'm going to back tight end Dallas Goddard over 33 and a half receiving yards. Been a slow start for Goddard, but he's still on the field for basically every single Jalen Hurts drop back. Uh, Has an elite target profile, just hasn't resulted in production. Last year, he led all starting tight ends in average depth of target. This year, he's got one of the lowest average depths of target. But all week, Nick Sirianni has been talking about Dallas Goddard's role in this offense, Mm. how he's still a big part of this offense. And uh, yeah, the Rams defense has been a tight end funnel all season. This is a trend that carried over from last year. So I think we're going to see a healthy amount of targets for Goddard. I believe it's a little bit of the squeaky wheel gets the grease as far as his role in the offense. Targets have been very concentrated to just A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. So I think we see a lot more Goddard at 33 and a half yards, so it's a significant discount for him. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to take it here in a good matchup. Okay, I stand alone on the pod and apparently in the early splits as well, but I'm still taking the four and a half. Uh, when we get back, we are going to talk about the late slate of games, including the Chiefs, who are laying four against Minnesota. You're watching Pick 6. We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kansas, Kansas City. City. Oh, is it you? It's you. It's you. Mm-hmm. Um, my bad. The Kansas City I Chiefs. No, my bad. It's fine. Kansas City Chiefs started 3-1, and one, six of the last seven seasons. Patrick Mahomes, unbelievable in September. Not so much in October. Seven losses in the month of October in his career. 
which is like not really that many, but it's the most, it's like the most in his career of any month. Um, eight passing touchdowns and 251.5 passing yards per game uh, through four games this season, the lowest through his first four games of his career. So the Chiefs are winning, but the offense, and like you've heard Travis Kelsey talk about this, man, Travis Kelsey is in our lives a lot these days. I'm almost sick of him, which is crazy because I love him and I love them together. But I'm like, every commercial is Travis Kelsey. And, and, and I'm, I'm actually getting sick of it, which I and, never thought I would say. Like when it's like, there's like a not Travis Kelsey commercial, it's a Taylor Swift commercial. Like it's a little yeah. bit of an oversaturation. Yeah. Um, they went real hard on it. Yeah, we get it. And the, like the NFL is getting criticized for, you know, changing. It's like, anyway, you know, we've been, we, the show's running long, so we won't do it. But uh, we'll dive into the whole Swifty thing. But uh, Mahomes 23 and 0 in his career versus teams that entered the, entered the matchup that week. Multiple games below 500, the longest such win streak since 1970. Vikings, of course, are below 500 at one and three, having picked up their first win on Carol and Carolina last week. And now they are four point home dogs with a robust total of 50. Two and a half. Chiefs getting a little bit of juice here at minus 115. Um, I sort of, I barely lean to the Vikings. I don't want to take them. I think I'm taking the Vikings in my picks pool, RJ. But, man, I mean, like going against, I mean, like it just feels like if there's a team that's going to come back and like or make this a crazy three-point game, it's the Vikings, right? Like if somebody's going to back to recover, it's them, right? Yeah, this line opened at five and a half, and and I was ready to take Minnesota at that number. Um, it's dropped down to four now because everybody has that same thought. Offense is playing very well, and they can get back to recovers if they need it at four. You know, a little bit of a question mark there because we know Kansas City is going to come out and their offense is going to look great in this game um, if if Flores is aggressive at all because we know that doesn't phase Patrick Mahomes ever. You know, when you when you you know get pressure on him and bring bring aggressiveness, he's just going to pick you apart. You know, he might need his receivers to do a little better job catching passes, but they'll figure it out. Um, he threw some bad picks against the Jets, still had six point one yards per play. Minnesota's offense has been better in yards per play on the season, but. Kansas City defense fifth in yards per pass, um, and Minnesota's defense was surprising tenth in yards per play. But I think that's part partly due to the um, the pressure they're bringing. They've been much better against the run as well. So I don't think that's a big, you know, throw out what Pacheco did in, in that game last week. I don't think that's a big club in the the golf bag of the the Chiefs offense here. So I agreed with the initial move at minus four. I'm going to lean Kansas City. I think that that's about as low as the line can get. All right. Uh, nothing else. No best bets for us in that game. We do have a bunch of best bets, though, in the Jets and the Broncos game. Of course, the uh, both teams now one and three. The Broncos stealing a win nearly fell to own four. After, I mean, like people would be there would be some Sean Payton ain't going anywhere because he's Sean Payton and he got a ton of money from the Broncos. Uh, and it's always going to be a thing where like Russell Wilson gets blamed. But man, you go in fourth, the loss to the Bears and a bad loss to the Bears. And people are just people are going to talk, especially if like we've got rich, rich owners like that. Uh, now both teams one and three. Jets with a heartbreaking loss to the uh, to the Chiefs, of course, on Sunday night. Broncos minus two now was minus one and a half with an over under forty three and a half. RJ, you've actually got this is the second leg of your teaser. You know, teasing the Jets up to plus eight. Interesting about this. This is, I know, Brinson, you love your narratives. This is narrative AF with when you get the Nathaniel Hackett versus Sean Payton game that, that we've all been looking forward to. Yeah. Um, so that'll be, you know, the Jets offense is going to show up and do everything they can to to back their guy here in this game and, and throw out all the stops there. Denver's offense came back and won that game only 311 yards against a brutalized Chicago defensive backs in their secondary. And they were very quiet in that first half until they got down 28-7, rallied back. Part of that was a 
a fumble return that helped them out here. So these stats keep saying Denver's offense is very good, and I just watch them every week, and they just seem too inconsistent. It just does not match up with what I'm seeing with my eyes. But the Jets' defense, also expected to be elite, they've been inconsistent after high expectations. But they showed up against that solid and played solid against Kansas City, limiting their scoring. Wilson off a solid game, too, facing historically bad defense here. The Denver has just been so awful on defense that I think the Jets can score here. Love teasing this number up, relatively no, low low total um, to get the Jets plus eight because I know the backer is going to be wide open no matter who Denver's playing. Yeah, and RJ mentioned Garrett Wilson. Love this spot for him going over 58 and a half receiving yards, 24 targets the last two weeks. If you looked at his target profile, which is his route participation, his air yard share and target share, it's elite. The problem is it's Zach Wilson throwing Garrett Wilson the football. But we did see some signs of life last week. Now he's playing a historically bad Broncos secondary 32nd in EPA allowed per drop back 32nd in coverage grade 32nd in explosive pass percentage allowed uh, drop back success percentage as well I'm talking historically bad I'm talking probably the best secondary uh, or worst secondary in NFL history through four weeks and they're extremely vulnerable and susceptible to speed speed has killed them all year Garrett Wilson one of the fastest receivers in the NFL so I think this is definitely a winnable matchup for him I think he's going to get behind this Broncos secondary a couple times uh Zach Wilson obviously not ideal throwing him the football but showed enough signs of life to me that he can get him the ball Zach, He'll be Zach, heavily Wilson, targeted. Zach and Garrett Wilson DFS stacks for the million maker <laughs> yeah they'll actually be a popular stack probably as far as uh no, because everybody's going to be on the Chiefs and Vikings. Like everybody's going to load up on them, and so it's like, dude, if you have, I mean, if Zach Wilson hits Garrett Wilson for two touchdowns, like that ain't it ain't that crazy that he could win you a million bucks. Uh, I agree. So yeah, love love Garrett Wilson. Also, like Brees Hall in this matchup uh, came out that there's going to be no more limitations on him. Goodbye to Dalvin Cook's 2.5 yards per carry. Brees Hall should be looking at 16 to 18 carries per game moving forward. He's looked great. I expect a healthy dose of him as well. But yeah, I love Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall in this matchup. I love them too because give me the Jets money line. I'm taking two risky dogs. So I'm either going to look like a zero or a hero um, after this weekend. But give me all the smoke for the Nathaniel Hackett revenge game. Like you said, RJ, this offense is going to be dialed in um, and trying to defend their coach. And look, Aaron Rodgers is still floating around now. He took this very personal when Sean Payton attacked Hackett. So he's going to be in everybody's ear, motivating everybody. Um, and like you said, a historically bad secondary. They allow Justin Fields to throw four touchdowns on them. Zach Wilson, I don't know if he's better or worse than Justin Fields is in terms of throwing the ball, um, but the Jets' defense is legit. I think that they can limit Russell Wilson, um, and I do think this offense might surprise some people, so give me the Jets' money line. Uh, now for Sunday Night Football, the game I'm most excited about, and I would say actually most spectators are excited about this one. Cowboys at San Francisco, Niners laying three and a half. Um, it's four in some places, so this is a, a good line here. This total now 45. I'm just going to go. I'm just uh, until it stops hitting. I'm going to keep taking it. 49ers team total over 20 um, and a half. I also like Dak to throw an interception. Uh, Niners are 4-0 to their team total through four weeks. They scored at least 30 in each of those games. I know that the last time these two teams saw each other, the Niners only got to 19 points, but it's a little bit different in a divisional round um, playoff spot than just an in-season game. And I don't think that the the Cowboys are going to be able to cause the turnovers that they need um, in order to win this game and uh, Dak to throw an interception. That's just kind of a given when he faces the 49ers. RJ, what do you think? 
Uh, it's 24 and a half, right? You have over 24 and a half. Over 24 and a half, yeah. Okay, I think you said 20 and a half. I just want oh, to, sorry, 24. Be, be, yeah, 20, yeah 20. 20 and a half, you're probably getting minus 200 <laughs> yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah, right, yeah. 24 and a half, so, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I think you're going to hit that anyway. I mean, San Francisco is dominating on both sides of the ball. Dallas, it seems like they're dominating three dominant wins, but they're being carried by their pass defense, which we know is elite. Their rush defense, 27th against the in yards per rush. I think it's going to be another big game from Christian McCaffrey. San Francisco's offense, just 14th in sack rate. It's okay. It's not great. Um, so they'll need to keep per, uh, Brock pretty clean but if they do they win this running away dallas's offense has averaged two touchdowns per game their defense and special teams has averaged one they're scoring half as much as the is the offenses that um that often that rate that eight touchdowns in four games for the offense that's the same as teams like the bucks the texans you know teams at that level and uh, so that's the level that that the cowboys offense is playing at because they're 30th in red zone just like the saints they cannot get it done in the red zone and field goals are not going to be enough to cover against this team i love san francisco i have this line at minus five and a half um and and minus three. I was hoping we would get a three at some point and people would overreact to Dallas's blowout win, but it looks like it's only going to go up from here. So I'm locking in minus three and a half as a best bet on San Francisco. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, I should, man, San Francisco minus three and a half at home on Sunday night football feels a lot better than Joe Burrow minus three on the road. <laughs> like, or my Rams plus four and a half. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I, I, I agree. I think it's like, I know that like the books don't do this as much anymore because there's so many different places to, to bet and, and whatnot, but it's like, this is begging you to take through Cowboys. Yeah. Begging you. It's like three and a half. The Cowboys are an elite team. They're going to run the football at, at, at Micah Parsons on every play in the first half to make him be a run defender in space against Christian McCaffrey and to take him away from being a pass rusher who's coming after Brock Purdy. And the, like the Dallas, you know, like RJ said, the pass defense is what is what is, is boy, bo, uh, bolstered them. And they are a good defense. Dan Quinn does a great job. It's also like a sneaky Kyle Shanahan, Dan Quinn revenge game because Kyle Shanahan took all of the heat, all of the smoke for Dan Quinn losing the Super Bowl, the 28 to three Patriots game. And Kyle Shanahan remembers that. Believe me, I believe me. He remembers that. And I think that he will want to point out that his offense is not, was not the problem, that it was Dan Quinn's defense. That was the problem. And that, that allowed the Patriots to cause that comeback and that he will, would not be afraid to run up the score here. Uh, And look, the Cowboys still have to think about a lot some of the play calling from the last couple of years in the playoffs. So I, I like San Francisco here as well. I'm not going to jump on and tail RJ because it you know, accused me of copying his paper or something, but I, but that was one I had circled as well. I should be copying you. Look at your record. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> props stars. Do you have any uh, props for this one? Uh, I have yet to break this game down thoroughly, but I'll have some stuff for it for sure. As the weekend uh, progresses. And by the way, I should also point out sportsline.com alex says we'll put up his picks as well they give like three picks up for the thursday night game uh you know if you're listening if you're listening or watching before the show and as an article that i was reading where you broke down every single game with some like sort of insight into um you know uh, usage rates and all that so sportsline.com slash join use promo code pick p-i-c-k get your first month for a buck I love it. All right. That's going to do it for our show today. Let's take one last look at our bets um, in the recap. Brinson, you want to read yours off? Yeah. Shout out to producer Harry for this excellent graphical assessment, especially with like, I I mean, you talk about a a crew that's got a bunch of bets this week. (laughs) He barely was able to jam it in there. I think uh, Jacksonville Buffalo over 48 and a half at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Uh, (laughs) Atlanta minus two. Detroit minus 10. The Titans minus two and a half. The Steelers plus four. The Saints Patriots under 40. And the Bengals minus three. What do you have, Katie? 
I'm going to take Buffalo minus five and a half. Trevor Lawrence under one and a half passing touchdowns. Houston team total over 20 and a half, feeding the uh, Falcons defense there. This is my risky one. I'm taking the Rams plus four and a half. Nobody believes but me. I'm also taking the Jets money line and San Francisco's team total over 24 and a half. And give me a Dak Prescott cookie at Levi Stadium. RJ. I got the Buffalo minus five and a half as well. I have a teaser taking Indy plus eight and a half and the Jets plus eight together. Uh, try to get minus 120 on your teasers, of course. Carolina under 16 and a half points on their team total. Pittsburgh plus four and a half. New England plus one. San Francisco minus three and a half. And then I threw Harry a curveball and added in Philly minus four and a half accidentally. I have it as a best bet as well. Um, wasn't planning on sharing it on this on this, on the show, but but threw it out there. I inspired it by taking the Rams. You're like, you know what? No, Moss. And I agree. Tip of the cap to Harry for this graphic. Not easy to fit this many picks on one page. But yeah, I've got Derek Henry over 75 and a half rushing yards. Uh, Devon Achan over 50 and a half rushing yards. Dallas Goddard over 33 and a half receiving yards. Last but not least, Garrett Wilson over 58 and a half receiving yards. All right, that's going to do it for the show. Make sure you join us on Sunday with the Super Friends for yeah. their Sunday Slate recap. Remember to like, comment, subscribe on the YouTube page. If you're listening to audio only, download, follow, leave a five-star review, and tell your friends to listen and watch the pod. Good luck with your bets, everyone. We'll see. I'll see you Monday, but friends, we'll see you Sunday. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday. Get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.